Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a seatbelt holder, and I love film. As Marilyn Monroe once said, imperfection is beauty, madness is genius, and it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring, which is a perfect way of describing the film Annette. Nice one, Marilyn Monroe. I really did love that film. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone, and even Cred Blambles, but this week it is the brilliant comedian and writer Mr. Finn Taylor. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get an extra 15 minutes of chat with Finn. You get a secret, you get chat about beginnings and endings, you get a video, you get the whole episode uncut and ad-free. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Ted Lasso Season 2 is all available now on Apple TV Plus along with Season 1. You can watch that all in one go. You can also see Super Bob and Soulmates on Amazon Prime in most countries. So, Finn Taylor... Finn Taylor is one of the best UK stand-ups there is. I have loved his stuff for years. He's fucking brilliant. He's got a new stand-up special that I believe is on YouTube now, so you can go and watch that. We recorded this on Zoom a few weeks ago. He was fucking brilliant. It was a lovely time, and I think you're going to love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 192 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a writer, an actor, a presenter, a comedian, an award nominee, an award winner, a husband, a father, a legend, a controversy magnet and a controversy magnate. He don't care what you think. He's fucking brilliant. Please welcome to the show. It's the amazing. It's Mr. Finn Taylor. Hi. I I don't know where you got an actor from. Uh, I've seen you do a couple of like sort of sketches where you're not entirely yourself, unless that was yourself, in which case it was a phenomenal performance. <laughs> well, I um, the only thing I've been I was a I was I had one line in Alicia Vikander's Tomb Raider reboot. Shut up! Having no, I didn't even audition. They just, they, I think they cut a scene, and then they, they, they filmed the whole thing, and they got to the last week, and they were like, "We need that scene, actually." And so they just called my agent, and were like, "Have you got anyone that looks like they could live with Lara Croft in East London?" Because that was the what the reboot was about. And then, um, wow. yeah, I did a scene for a day on a film set in uh, Watford, and what? had a trailer and everything, and was just playing Lara Croft flatmate one. Please and do your line. Can you recreate she, it? So she came back from... So she was a Deliveroo driver in this mm-hmm. reboot before she's Lara Croft. And she comes in with like a broken bike and she's covered in green paint. And my line was, oh, Lara, <laughs> what what the... And then she cuts me off. Right. Oh, Lara, what the... And then the last take the last, last take of the day, the director was like, Finn, you're a comedian. Do something, make it funny. Do Go in a different direction. All this horse shit. I wasn't expecting it. So she comes in, she's covered in green paint, and I'm like, hey, Lara, what have you been doing? Sucking off the Hulk? And he's like, cut. It's, you can't, it's 12A, probably, we can't, you can't do that. 
And then, but she laughed. So I made Valicia Vikanda laugh. But then, but then obviously the scene was cut. They didn't need it in the end. Right. Uh, but they sent me a hat saying Tomb Raider cast and crew, uh, which was the only evidence that I was in the film. And then I was on a ferry in New Zealand and it just blew off my head on into the sea. Uh. So my acting career is, is, has gone with the wind. Do you think if you were like, let's say walking through Leicester Square and there was a premiere for a new Elisa Vikander film and you sort of went to the, sort of shouted, hey, it's me. I said that you were sucking off the Hulk. Do you think she'd if be I delighted to, to see went, you? Hey, we, ah, and did that. And I pretended <laughs> yeah. she, she might, but then I might get arrested. Right. So it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? I don't know if she yeah. remember me. I don't know. All I will say, and I don't mean this to sound creepy, is that she smelt absolutely incredible. There is a class of, of celebrity that I don't know where they get their smells from. <laughs> and it's like it really separates them from the rest of us pigs because I don't know mm. how they smell. I don't even know what it, how you describe it. It was angelic. Uh, Finn Taylor, I haven't seen you in ages. I'm upset about that. I'm delighted to see you since I've seen you. I mean, you've had a baby. You've had a wife and you've had a baby. <sighs> yes, I've given birth to a wife and then she gave birth to a baby. Congratulations. Thank you. My, yeah, I, ha- I can't remember the last time. I was trying to think the last time I saw you. I but my life pre- has become pre-pant. very... It must have been. My life has become very wholesome and folksy since I last saw you. I mean, I was up last night painting my daughter's nursery. That's the kind of Jesus thing I'm doing now. Christ. Yeah. Do you love it? Yeah, it's great. You became mega famous, though, in that time. I don't know when that happened. It's very disconcerting. You were, you were painting a nursery. You were in my audience in my Edinburgh show... Yeah, and then I turn on Twitter, and you're, you've won a fucking what did you win? Some yeah, big shiny thing. Going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut the shiny yeah. things. Don't worry it's about insane. it. Insane, absolutely insane. It is insane, but it's equally insane to me that you got married and had a kid. Because oh, anyone who knows me knows that that was definitely it's definitely it's very off brand. Yeah, it it it, it seems like a weird a weird sort of choice, but also <laughs> I'm <laughs> so happy yeah, about it. It's a weird choice, but then I do think. You're a, you're a big old tough guy. Your comedy's all big and tough, but deep down you're a big old, you love, you just love love, don't you? Well, it's, yeah, it's an act. The comedy's yeah. an act. It's a vent. It's yeah. a release from the, um, you know, boring, wholesome, everyday life. Now, all right, let's quickly talk about it. For If there's anyone listening to this who doesn't know Finn Taylor's comedy, um, if you don't, get into it because it's fucking brilliant. You are, I suppose, even more unusual these days. You do... Um, how do we? Do you have a way of describing what you do? And by the way, I say this generally for people listening to the podcast. Finn Taylor is one of the great comics. He's fucking amazing. Thank you. But you, you are very fearless. I'd say. Yeah, that gets that gets used a lot. My gig on my gig on Saturday, I was like, I was doing one of those nights where you're doing like four or five spots in a row in London. Oh, right. and I was running, so I ran off from the stage as the audience were coming out, and this guy just I walked past this guy and he just went shameless, <laughs> shameless. Uh, and i think i've toned it down but um Mm. i don't know i just think that's what stand-up's for it's just saying things that you can't get away with anywhere else so to me it doesn't it to me it's not uh, i always get called provocative that Mm. that word follows me around like a therapy dog but yeah it's just you know it's quite spicy but that's what i find funny yeah i i agree i i also think maybe you're not gonna like hearing this I think that no matter what, I've heard you talk about, you know, I've heard you on ComCom Pod, for example, and I've heard you say, like, I don't think comedy, you know, you don't, we as audience don't need to know your politics. We don't need to know anything, your morality, mm. you're, you're playing both sides or whatever. But I think it's inherently there. I think we watch you and we listen to you and we know no matter what you're saying, you're good. Well, I, I like to think that. I, I, but I think audiences can smell yeah. when you're like, you know, but J- Jimmy Carr said something fascinating. He said, what's the point in mild comedy? And I've been thinking about that every day since he said that, because I totally agree. People yeah. who go up and are all twee and like, I was at the bus stop and I, what the fuck are you doing? People pay 15 quid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But it's, it's like subconscious intent or something like uh, it's inter- like you could do a joke about a certain thing that I would think was brilliant and lovely and someone else could do that same joke and I would think it was horrible because you can feel their inner self is dark and horrible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Well, that's nice. 
I mean, yeah, I mean that that is I guess that is my last offence, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> this in inar- this inarticulable sense of goodness that I radiate. Yeah. But uh well thank you for all the kind words. No, I, I uh yeah, I mean it's not it's not for everyone, but then the people that like it really like it. And it's not very British. I think that's what I'm discovering. Yeah. It's not very British. You're an American comic. Yeah, I'm an American comic trapped in a privately educated British male. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I do. Quick question on having a baby. I, I think I ask this to most people who have babies. I think I know what you're going to say because I listened to an episode of this podcast before. What am you. I going to ask you? You're going to ask me if as soon as it came out, I felt yes. I have a parent sense of love. <laughs> yeah, did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, although it was quite, it was all quite, I mean, it's a very intense, it's just two months premature. Oh, it was It was one of those uh, situations where, Everyone was going to die. I wasn't going to die. <laughs> I was. I wasn't going. I was. I wasn't there with a gun saying, "If this baby doesn't come out." I'm going to <laughs> no, my yeah. My wife. Uh, they had to deliver early because the baby was fine, but my wife wasn't. It was this old school thing called preeclampsia, where the only cure is to get the baby out. Oh, shit. It's. I don't really. They don't really know much about it because it's women's medicine, and they don't. They don't invest any science in that. Right, um, yeah. Anyway. So it was just a fair, it was just, it's more just like, as soon as the baby came out, we didn't get a hold of her straight away. Mm. So, but then when everyone was fine, I just, I did just go and burst into tears. Mm. And then when I actually went and held her for the first time later that day, it was like, I mean, she was tiny. Yeah. So yeah, I did feel this overpowering sense of like, sort of, I guess, protect, protectiveness. But then also as a dad, it does, I think it does, you lose that initial like hormone rush and then you have to mm. build it up as, as they become more, as they need you more because the first three months they don't really need you as a dad yeah but now now she's like you can see her personality and she's great and it just gets better every day what it sounds like having a baby from uh, by the way she's all healthy and well now right yeah yeah absolutely fine yeah good uh, having a baby sounds like being a new comic in that the first gig big rush baby comes out big rush yeah. oh i love you yeah. then massive drop off massive drop off <laughs> Yeah. For a good few months where like you're like, oh, this isn't really working. <laughs> no, These not gigs much are going horrible. On it. Yeah. These horrible gigs. And then at some point, baby laughs at you and you're like, best thing I ever did. It's so, it does make a difference when they start laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. You should have one. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Do you, uh, someone told me the other day about their daughter saying, I love mummy more than you. Just said it out of the blue. How would you feel about that sort of feedback? She doesn't know what she's on about. She's a kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> give, it, give it a few years and you'll see. You'll fucking see. You'll see. <laughs> you'll see who's your <laughs> fucking baby. Um, yeah, well, she can't, talk, she can't talk yet, so I'm not, I'm not getting that. Anyway. Yeah, don't worry about that. I've forgotten to tell you something in all this, in all this catch-up. Go for it. I've just looked down at my notes and um, there's something here I probably should have mentioned earlier let me just see if it's yeah it's definitely you uh hold on Vinto. oh you've died right you're dead mm-hmm. was that all for that was it <laughs> that was good though that was good uh how did you die uh i died uh defending the territorial integrity of ukraine wow no i didn't no i don't want to go to school I had to go. I tell you what would be funny is you know when people get so old that they 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 die. I mean, it's like it's kind of pathetic, really. Mm. They just they died because it was winter, right? Okay, because the seasons changed and they couldn't handle it. That's how I died. Even though I'm 31, I died because I died because summer turned to autumn. Oh, that's quite. Rom- it sounds romantic when you put it that way. <laughs> I got hit by a falling leaf in a park. <laughs> okay. Do you uh, do you worry about death? A bit, but not. Um, you know, I, I I look before I cross the road. Right. I know I'm going to die, but I don't feel uncomfortable about that. I, I don't want to die soon, but I um, I feel quite zen about the fact it's going to happen one day. I find it quite refreshing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because when my when my wife gives me a job and I'm finding it difficult and I don't want to do it, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter because we're all dust, aren't we? Hmm. Would you like it if I if you knew the day you were going to die? If I could say, I know when you're going to die properly, would you want to know? I don't think I would. Okay. Well, it's today. So do you, what do you think happens uh, when you die? 
Well, I mean, you live on in the minds of the people that love you. That's the only afterlife there is, isn't it? I think. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, Finn. Oh, is that not the ta- Oh shit, is that not the answer? Oh, sorry, that's right. No, you go to heaven and talk about films. Yes. That's what I meant, that's what I meant to say. You go to heaven. There is a heaven. I'll tell you what, they are checking your pockets at the door. That's not happened before. They're like, there's something up with this geezer. I've come in, I've said, listen, no, 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 he's good, he's good, don't worry about it. You come into heaven, everyone's excited to see you, they're big fans. God, that's, that's a big psychological red flag there. You, you, you think you are so good that you're letting people through the pearly gates. I'm in charge of this fucking place. Right, sorry, yeah, okay. I didn't say I was, like, living there, I work, I work for the geezer. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I was like, come in. You're very welcome. Everyone's excited to see you. And they want talk to talk about, about your God life. complex, bloody hell. Anyway. They want to talk about your life. They want to talk about your life through the medium of film. And right. the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Finn Taylor? Well, I think I have a very vivid memory of being in the cinema in Glasgow, which is where I lived till I was seven, oh, with yes. my younger sister. And it was her first film. I'd seen a film already, but I can't remember. I'd been to the, see The Jungle Book, but I can't remember that. What I remember... <laughs> is going to see 101 Dalmatians, the live-action version, with my dad and my sister. And I must have been maybe five, and my sister was maybe two. And the size of the live dogs made my sister go mental, and we had to leave after about 10 minutes because she thought that she thought we were being attacked by a pack of huge hounds. Wow. Um, that's my first memory of the cinema. That's amazing. Your sister was like... The person who had, like, the very first time film was made and they played a train. Exactly. Yeah, that and was they went, fuck, and ran out of the cinema. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, but with dogs. That's great. Were you furious at her? Yeah, I was like, get your act together. It's Glenn Close. Yeah. We've, we've, we, we haven't even got past two Dalmatians. We're ten minutes in. No. Yeah, I remember, I, remember, I remember being like, this is pathetic. And I was five. <laughs> I was five. And my dad was just like trying to calm. My sister was going absolutely yeah, ape shit. And I was like, get a grip. It's just a film, love. <laughs> Is it just the two of you, you and your sister? Yeah. Are you are you super tight? Yeah, we're quite close. She lives um she lives quite close to me in London, so we see each other oh, quite a lot. That's very nice. What's the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared, Finn Taylor? Do you get scared? I don't. I don't. I don't particularly like horror films, but that's not because I'm weak. It's because I find once I know the film is there to scare me, I don't really. I sort of think, well, what's the point in the film? So I'm just waiting to be scared, and I don't. You know, there's no plot or like acting. It's just everything's there to scare me. So it's like I see it as quite functional when I, I get bored. Does that make sense? I guess if it's not working on you, yeah. You're you're looking at it sort of objectively. Well, no, I still I'll still I'll still jump if there's a yeah. scary moment, but I just find like a horror film is designed to scare you, so it's not surprising. Do you know but what I mean? You're scared. Yeah, it's like porn. Uh, it's like it's right. I get the point of it, but I'm not gonna. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's but isn't it? I, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to argue this. It's interesting how your brain works. But what I could say is, isn't that the same for romantic comedy? You, you know what it is. You know where it's going. Yeah, isn't that yeah. the same for a thriller? Like, yeah, they're yeah, all. Yeah. So are you saying all entertainment? I don't you like go. films. <laughs> no, I love uh, what I have realised in talking to people who like films and in listening to this podcast, the episode I did listen to last night, is that I think my taste in films is is frowned upon by cinephiles. But yeah, the film that scared me the most. It's not really, it more left me with a deep sense of, of unease that I found incredibly addictive and couldn't stop thinking about was The Dark Knight when I saw that in the cinema. Hmm. I think it remains the most like adrenaline fuel I've ever been on leaving a cinema. I must have been, I don't know, when did that come out? I must have been like late teenager or something, 17 or 18. But just the whole story of, of Heath Ledger and how his performance in it was was part of what, led to his death. I just, when I watch it, I, it gives me such heebie-jeebies, in it, but also in a good way. I just think it's phenomenal and I can't yeah. not watch it. And also the film's great. That's the one that's kind of unsettled me the most. That's a fucking great answer. Is it? Yeah. Great. It's a really good answer. Yeah. You should be believing yourself. What's the uh, film 
that made you cry the most? Do you ever cry in a film? Do you ever cry in life? I do. Uh, yeah, I do. But I don't. I don't seek out weepy films. But I, I cry at weird things. I mean, I, I cry quite a lot at a um at old sport. If I need to cry, I'll watch mm. the uh, Federer and Nadal final from two thousand and eight when Nadal finally wins and runs up to the crowd. That always gets me. Wow. I tell you, the film that actually made me cry the most was Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. And I, I watched it on a plane to Australia. Have you ever done that flight? No. You enter a very weird psychological state mm. because you're on a you're in one place for so long and you're just consuming stuff to distract you and you're not talking or anything. So it's very weird. It's like twenty whatever it is, twenty hours. And I think by kind of hour eighteen, like you're you're you get to you get to mainland Australia and then you've still got five hours because that's how big it is. Oh, so you're just like, I am bereft. I need to feel something. And then I watched this film, not really knowing anything about it. And then there's this sucker punch reveal at the end or towards the end. I don't know if I can spoil it, but basically you find out that Casey Affleck's kids had all died in a house fire. Yeah. And that's why he's just so damaged. And I just, I don't know whether it was the like altitude or the cabin pressure or the fact that I just wanted to feel something after 18 hours, but I just burst out into tears. But also, I think it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Were you on your own on this plane? Yeah, I was on my own. Fern Brady was at the back on Xanax. So uh, that was a f- great. I got really excited. I got to the airport. Oh, me and Fern are on the plane. I'm taking Xanax. All right, we'll see you later then. I'll see you in a day, I guess. <laughs> so much for camaraderie. Yeah. Good film. That's what I'd say. Very good film. Actually, I'm, I haven't seen it since then, but I'd like to watch it again. Would you? Maybe. Hmm. But it's one of those it's one of those films that's like you're good, but you're like, I don't need to see it again. But it has been a while, so maybe I could watch it again. Have you written your TV show yet? No, I don't think I'm going I don't think I'm going to. I don't no I don't really like writing scripts. I've written I've written I wrote a couple of books over lockdown, but I need to go back over oh, them right. before I do anything with them. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were gonna be a novelist. You've written two books. I have. I mean I have I, I say that. I've written two first drafts. I think most of the actual writing happens when you go back over it. So, mm. but I'm focusing on stand up at the moment because I need to earn money for my wife and child. Right, right. But right, I will right, when yes. I get. I think when she goes to nursery, I'll maybe try and get get back on that because I really enjoyed it. That's great. But the thing about screenplays is that you're just writing instructions for actors, and I find that a bit boring. Well, I quite like language and like you know, mm. I like a sentence. I'm a man of letters, Brett. I'm a, I'm a literature. Yeah. You like a sentence. yeah. So. Uh, I don't. I just don't get this. I find screenplays. I just switch off from trying. I know. I mean, my agent told me before to write a TV show, but I just don't get the same buzz out of it. I find it quite mechanical. Fair enough. Yeah. What's the film that uh, people don't like? They don't love it. It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it unconditionally. Die Hard Three. I love Die Hard Three. Die Hard Three is the best Die Hard film, and yet you say that on a forum, and you get doxxed. <laughs> <laughs> people release your personal details to the highest bidder <laughs> but listen jeremy irons is phenomenal in that film yeah die hard 2 i think was a misstep in the franchise mm-hmm. i didn't love it i think it's saved by the ending die hard 1 is obviously a great film yada 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 but die hard 3 they go somewhere else with it samuel l jackson is amazing the script's it's incredible really funny. the film opens with Bruce Willis wearing a placard saying, I hate the N-word in Harlem. As an opening gambit, that is strong. You're like, I'd, I, wow, they're doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's a great movie. It's really good. It's really funny. Really good scripts. It's exciting. And they fucking go, first one's Die Hard in a, in a, in a building. Second one's Die Hard in an airport. Third one's Die Hard in a city. Let's Die fucking move this about. Yeah. And I actually yeah. remember seeing Die Hard 4 and I was really excited because I was old enough to go and see it in the cinema when it came yeah. out. And we all got like Die Hard 4 cups, big like commemorative cups for our drinks. Right. And then we left being like, oh, that, that I think maybe it's over actually. He's mm. too old. Die Hard 5 is particularly unpleasant. I've not seen Die Hard 5. Like there's a weird bit. He's in Russia. He's in Russia. He... Like, 
smashes, like steals someone's car and the man, like, because he needs to chase someone and the man whose car it is goes like, in Russian, hey, what the fuck's going on? And Bruce Willis goes, do you think I speak your language? Wow. As if that's meant to be like <laughs> a cool thing to say. I mean, that, but that is what he would say though. So I, I, yeah, no, it's, it's consistent, if a bit it, unsettling. It seemed real, I suppose. Uh, but this anyway, is ma- this is a man who has shot the bad guy through his own collarbone at the end of Die Hard Four. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, that's a pretty cool ending as well. Yeah, and he does his his fours where he kills a helicopter with a car with a taxi. Yes, and he yeah. surfs. He surfs an F sixteen. An F sixteen yeah, is I yeah. I mean, it's a bit much, isn't it? I think you need to get that cut back. Die Hard Four is sounding pretty good to me. No, it's Die, it's die Hard Three. It's still Die Hard Three for me. Okay. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay. <laughs> What's a film that you used to love very much, but you've come back to it recently and you do not feel the same way anymore? Well, I'm a massive Bond fan. Mm-hmm. That's my big... That's the, the films I get the most excited about. I didn't know this about you. It, when, I was, when I was a kid, ITV did like a... Maybe this was before they... Before like GoldenEye or Tomorrow Never Dies came out, but ITV did like... I oh, was showing all of the Bond films every Saturday for whatever that is, four months. Mm-hmm. And I recorded them all on VHS and like paused it between the ad breaks and then made my own homemade Bond collection that I still have at home, my parents' house somewhere. The films was Man with a Golden Gun, Roger Moore, Thailand, mm-hmm. Odd Job, Christopher Lee. I went back and watched that a few months ago and wow, it is painfully slow. <laughs> insanely racist <laughs> in a way that I don't really, I mean, a lot of the Roger Moore films I'm not going to watch again because I think I know what, what I'm going to feel after them. Wow, it's racist. I mean, in Octopussy, he flicks an Indian man a coin and says that should keep you in curry for a couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, and you forget this stuff. You're like, oh, there's a fun film. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, wow. Oh my God. Um, but Golden Girl, I just, uh, what struck me was how slow it was and how like painfully long establishing shots and also they do this amazing stunt where they flip a car over the bridge yeah but they add a tin whistle over the top of it do you remember they did a stunt no which they did live it's a live action stunt where the car like goes over a bridge and it turns on its own axis in mid-air there's like a 180 and then in the final edit yeah. i don't know who signed this off they get a guy on a penny whistle to go like that you go, what are you You're doing? Me. You've just done an incredible live stuff. It's can't true. Be right. YouTube it now is 100% true. It's awful. I can't believe it goes. Seriously. And it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> There's no other action sequence in the Bond franchise where they put a penny whistle over the top. <laughs> it's awful. It's <laughs> fucking insane. I like that you're like, the racism I can handle, but the long establishing <laughs> shots, Jesus. Yeah, I've got a strong stomach, but something, sometimes you push too far. <laughs> Uh, Finn Taylor, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is special, but because the experience you had around seeing it will always make it meaningful to you, Finn Taylor. The example you said when you sent this question through was like, if you're going on a date with someone. But the only time I've gone to the cinema yeah. on a date, I, we actually walked out because it was so bad. I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean 2 or something, or 3, I don't know. I was boring. But the film that means the most to me, I think, is... The Blues Brothers, because when I was maybe nine or ten, my dad gave me a copy of it on VHS for Christmas 
and it was a 15, but he was like, you're going to love this. I don't care that it's a 15. Uh, because I was really into that kind of music as well. Like I was really into soul and like funk as a kid. And he was like, this is also your sense of humour. And he was so right. And I just watched it over and over and over again. Uh... And so whenever I see that film, I just feel really warm and gooey about my dad giving it to me. That is fucking yeah. lovely. And it's a great, it's a great That's... film. And I heard someone slagging it off recently and yeah. I was like, back, back the fuck down. That is a brilliant film. You've got, yeah. Not only have you got John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, but you've got James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Cab Calloway. It's insane. It's a brilliant film. Biggest yeah. car chase ever. Great film. So funny. funny. Princess Leia doesn't say anything for two hours, just shoots, just shoots a bazooka. I mean, it's hilarious. That is a lovely story, Clint Taylor. Thanks, man. Really like that. Yeah, you get 10 yeah. points for that. What is the film you most relate to? Well, this is an interesting question, but I tell you... Now, I don't know, oh, was it on Netflix or is it something else? Over Christmas, just gone, we watched um, yeah. a film called Silent Night. Oh, right. the um, Kira Knightley. Uh, Kira Knightley, yeah. I watched, we watched that and I was buzzing at the end of it. I loved it so much because... Really? It, it feels like it is the exact film that subverts everything I hate about films. In that it is like... Go on. So the premise is it's all—it's this kind of kitsch Christmas movie, and it's playing Christmas music, and Kira Knightley's in it, and she's she's sort of playing a similar kind of smiley, middle class mumsy person like she doesn't love actually, and people are all arriving at this country house, and then it slowly becomes apparent that there's some kind of impending apocalypse happening, and it's very dark, and they're all talking about suicide, but it's it's really funny in that they're they're all talking, they're all like airing all their dirty laundry. And who's oh who's the actor who is um he's he's also in camping with Julia Davis? Do you know who I mean? He's a British maybe he's called Russell Yeah, Rufus, Rufus Yeah Rufus Jones. He's phenomenal he's so funny in it. He plays this oh, kind of like great. wet like wet um husband who his wife just wants to have sex with all the other friends there. It's so funny. And then also <laughs> they, really they actually follow it through. Like they follow the, the disaster through and everyone I don't want to ruin it, but basically they go... And I just have so much respect for, like, to take a dark thing and it's funny for an hour and then you're like, you know what? No, let's do. Let's finish it off. It's like uh, it's like Rogue One is the best Star Wars film because of the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it actually leaves you with a sense of, like, the, the darkness, like, won, but it was funny along the way. Does that make sense? I don't know why I relate to it, but I just... Is that your... How you... And I think you do achieve this... But is that your a stand-up hour with you? Is that well, n- maybe. I, but although n- not everyone dies at the end, <laughs> I don't murder the audience <laughs> at the end of my show. Um, but it's it, maybe you can see why I like it. I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for. Yeah. I I, th- cause I also think it's it's um, filmmakers with have a have a respect for the audience, and they go, you know what, we're going to treat you like adults. This is not a kitsch film. We're going to go all the way. I I, I really like that. I'm not joking when I say this. Have you ever seen Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney film? I will have done. Yeah, the animated one. Yeah, yeah. Not, not since I was a kid, I think. I would put this in that category and I think you should watch it again. It's, it's, a, it's fucking brilliant on every level, but it is fucking yeah. dark. And at the end, at the end, it's a Disney film that says, yeah, it doesn't matter how much of a great guy you are. If you're the Hunchback, you're not getting Demi Moore. <laughs> if you're ugly... I'm afraid you are fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not going to end up wow. with Debbie Moore. She's still going to end up with the fit soldier, even though but you that, saved her life. And that's good because that teaches kids about the reality of life. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's a really dark <laughs> film that does not yeah. pull its punches. I have a lot of respect for that. I like, I like that as a viewer. Because yeah. you, because you're always predicting oh, that. Oh, there's going to be a happy ending though. Oh, it's not going to be all. Yeah. Oh. The kids all, haven't all died, and then they do, and you go, oh, fuck, wow, okay, fair, you know what, fair play. I feel really empty now, and, yeah. I, and you got me. <laughs> I feel really empty now, yeah. five stars. What is the film you found the sexiest, Finn Taylor? Calendar Girls. Good Lord, I couldn't stop coming. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch basic instincts because <laughs> yeah. i was a 90s kid all hopped up on hormones but i don't 
Do you mean sexy in terms of like the way it's shot? I mean it however you mean it. I think it. Chinatown is a very alluring aesthetic. Like I love all that oldie worldy stuff and you know, the style of it and uh, Blade Blade Run a Blade Runner as well. Like that, that that cityscape is so sexy. Yeah, I don't really know. Maybe I'll say Chinatown. Do you know what I mean by the aesthetic of it is so I do, gorgeous. I do, but you're you are saying that you're you're going for incest, okay. What <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah there's a subcategory. There's a subcategory. Yeah. <laughs> Travelling boners worrying why don'ts. A film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. I always kind of had a thing for Jessica Rabbit, the cartoon. Yeah. But that's not that's not troubling, isn't it? But then women find that weird. But you see, I know you don't find that weird. Because we're no, just, we're just no, flesh I mean, and blood. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife's like, well, how do you fancy that? It's a drawing. I'm like, yeah, but what? Really? What? What, yeah, a drawing. what a drawing. How did he finish that drawing? He must have been so horny the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that film took well, six yeah, years. Well, yeah, that's why animation make. takes so long. Every frame. That's why animation every takes Every frame with Jessica Rabbit, they had to keep stopping. <laughs> Can you just finish Jessica Rabbit, Underneath guys? the animator's desk, there's all these buckets filled with just <laughs> fluids. <laughs> right, we're cutting down Jessica no, Rabbit. She can't, she can't be in it that much. We're never going to finish. Overrun. She's got two minutes. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been troubled by an erection during a film. Sorry. Okay. No, listen, you're, you're shameless. I am shameless. As they said. What is objectively... The greatest film of all time, Finn Taylor. Not necessarily your favourite, but objectively the one. Objectively. The Rock. Now, this is where, this is where cinephiles I have a go it. at me, but I genuinely think... Because my... Pro- yeah, right. So The Rock is fucking brilliant. Brilliant. And also, I don't think it gets appreciated enough. In three years, Nicolas Cage did Con Air, The Rock and Face Off. Back to back to back. What a run. The thing is, what I find annoying about the film industry and particularly the award system is that it just rewards films that are important rather than films that are fun. And I feel like we've lost a lot of films that are fun because they're either massive budget spectacles like the, I don't watch the sort of Marvel, you know, those films I find quite stressful. I don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on, but also, you know, the rock is the dialogue is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. You know, it's stupid. It's so quotable, it's high-octane, it's cage, it's, he's, he's just utter silliest. His wife is ludicrously attractive for scientists. He's called Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> um, Sean Connery is kind of playing an old Bond, even though that's never really spoken about. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, you know, Alcatraz is in there. Ed Harris is brilliant in it. Ed, and Ed Harris, is, and I will say this, the bad guy has a point, which yeah, I always love. Yeah, has a real motive. He's, he's fighting for veterans. He's, he's fighting right. for veterans. Yeah. I'm pro, pro well, Ed yeah. Harris in that um, And also, what I love about it is how when Britain was preparing dossiers on whether they should invade uh, Iraq, they basically they said that Saddam Hussein had these beads of nuclear weapon or chemical weapons, which they had just taken from the rock. So it was complete. Their their intelligence, in quotes, was just the plot of the rock. <laughs> and um, what? So the Iraq War happened because of uh, the rock. Yeah, let's say that. Let's say that the entire the fall of Saddam Hussein was down to Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why it is objectively. But I just the think it's like it's all it's on maybe three or four times a year. It seems to be constantly on iPlayer, mm-hmm. and I will always watch it because it's so fun. And there's always a line of dialogue that I forget about. The action's great. It's just pure escapism in a way that I think a lot of films aren't now. It's just fun, fun film. I love it. I can't work out if uh, it's my favourite Michael Bay. It's that or Bad Boys Two. Yeah, but they're both they're both magic. Michael Bay did Point Break as well, or was that someone else? That was Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Point Break's a great film. Point Break's a great film. Uh, what is the film that you could or have? What's the most over and over again? Well, the rock aside, I think Skyfall is the perfect Bond. Do you? I think it's majestic. I don't see why they don't just copy the formula they did for that all the time. What did you make of No Time for Die? No really, really that. liked it, except yeah. the theme tune. 
It's like, look, I'm sorry, Billie Eilish, you're a skinny little girl. You need a big old woman to sing the theme tune. That's ha- Or Tom Jones. That is Bond. I don't know who this Billie Eilish is. I've just seen a photo of her. <laughs> She's very good. She's very good. Fine. You know, you're probably mates with her. I don't care. Adele, before she lost the weight, Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, these are the people who sing Bond theme tunes. Do you know what I mean? I'm pretty didactic about hear, this. Yeah, no, I hear your... You want, you want short establishing shots and big lungs. Big lungs. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I think Skyfall, I think Javier Bardem is brilliant. The kind of homoerotic tension was something you haven't mm-hmm. seen in the Bond franchise. And then I think after that, I think the other films recently, I thought No Time to Die was brilliant, but the one before, which was called, oh, Spectre. I thought it was a bit weak mm. and a bit rushed and they were trying to crowbar in this narrative, like they were trying to join it all up. And I thought Christoph Waltz was sort of criminally underused. As When I heard about that casting, I was so excited. I was like, that's perfect. Christoph Waltz is Blofeld. Yeah. I just didn't think it really ever came off. But I think Skyfall as a standalone film, oh yeah, I love it. It's just, it's just I, feel, I feel so proud to be British watching that. Would you play Bond if they asked you? Of course. Is that your dream? Of course. Is that your dream job? Yeah. I would bring to it um, the steel of Dalton with the camp anger of Roger Moore. I would do everything with a massively cocked eyebrow, and I keep looking down the camera. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> whenever a, whenever yeah. a woman slinked up to me, I'd just look at the camera with a massive eyebrow and go, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> 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 just to give them something else in the edit. You know, they could just cut straight to the next scene if they didn't want to. You know what's going to happen. You know what's about to happen. <laughs> I'd be like Austin Powers. It'd be like Austin Powers in an actual Bond film. I like it. Now, I don't like to be too negative, Finn, so we'll do it fairly quickly. Yeah. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Toss-up between Scorsese's Silence and... <gasps> oh, is that controversial? Yeah, you've just lost your 10 points. Really? That I is, love that Silence. That is fucking garbage, that film, and I won't hear whoa, anything whoa, else. Whoa, whoa, it whoa. is garbage. Gee whiz. Is- <laughs> what are you... What was oh, your second right. choice? Uh, the, I love the last Wes Anderson film, the most recent one that I can't remember what it was called. You can French have Dispatch. That. You can have that. That is, that is the most self-indulgent, fuck you the audience, I'm Wes Anderson tripe that you could ever see. You can have that, but you're not having silence. Silence, right. Does it not yeah. bother you that, okay, everyone's a 17th century Portuguese missionary and they're yeah. doing accents, like Adam Garfield and the other and Adam Driver doing... Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver doing accents. And mm-hmm. then they, they're sent to find Liam Neeson, who is a Portuguese missionary that lives in Japan, and they get mm-hmm. to him and he's just Northern Irish. Because they're like, there's no way you can handle this level of travel that this character... So just do you, just be you, Liam. Just, yeah. you know. So, But they're still speaking in Portuguese. Yeah. And he's just going, you're right there. What are you doing? I live in Japan. You know, it's, it's mad. It took me out the whole film. I mean, I also saw it. On, I saw it on New Year's Day. Like, oh my god! So I will. You brought concede, this on yourself. I will concede that. I, but I thought Scorsese. I thought Samurai. I thought brilliant. It's going to be great. And then it was just like, ah, oh, we get it, mate. You're religious. Do you know what I'm I mean? Re- I'm really upset about this. Really? Yeah. Well, that's funny. But also. I barely know a single person who's seen Silence. You might be the first person I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to who's ever seen it. Does it not bother but, you, the Liam Neeson thing? Does that not does that not take you out of the whole film? No, because, I mean, you saying that, I go like, yeah, okay. I think I just just go, it's like having Ray Winston in a film. He can't do an accent. You're just lucky to have him. He'll, he'll do what he does, and you've just got to, in your, in your head, make the connection of but what But that's he's... so, after like, you know, two and a half hours of building up this character... You just Have you him. seen uh, Black Widow? You know, Ray Winston's playing a Russian in Black Widow. I think He's I've not... seen a clip of him trying to... But, but at the same thing. time, it's this weird thing where you're going, well, that's not the accent, Ray. But on the other hand, you're so charismatic. Yeah, you are Ray Winston. <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't, it's okay. You know what? I'll, I'm gonna I'll put, fill in the gaps. I'm going to put a bet on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Ray? Fi- I'm going to... So with Put Liam Neeson, you're going like, oh, I'll just, I'll make the, I'll do the little bit of work I have to do to make this work in my head. It certainly didn't ruin the film for me. No, when I, when he started talking, I just could, I couldn't stop thinking about him going, classic drumming song in Light Love Actually. And I was just like, well, this film's a, 
I was also really hungover. Yeah, so. a terrible hangover film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I concede that. I'd I... say, what's the worst hangover film? Silence. Sure. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the question. Yeah, yeah. Riddle me this. You're in comedy, you're a comedian, you're very funny. What's the film that made you laugh the most, Finn Taylor? The Other Guys with Will Ferrell Great and film. Mark Wahlberg. Man, that's funny. The Running Joke about Will Ferrell is married to Eva Mendes and he keeps calling her, he keeps apologising for his plain wife. <laughs> she's the most like, you know, she's like a sexist dream in that she's this gorgeous woman who's always wearing these low-cut tops who's like cooking all these amazing meals and he invites Mark Wahlberg for dinner and she says something really funny and he's like, ah, oh, she's so boring and plain. Please apologize. <laughs> oh, man. And also the, just the, the slapstick in it I'm a big sucker for like Leslie Nielsen films. There was a yeah. It was either the other guys or it was Dracula Dead and Loving It, which me and my sister used to be obsessed by. But yeah, no, the other guys is is I think the most I've laughed at a film in the last few years, and I've watched it several times. It's really uh, got that amazing bit where they jump off the building. The other mm. uh, Samuel, Lager. it's really quite something yeah. that bit. It's quite a high budget for a stupid yeah. film. That's what I yeah. like. This is why I like the Blues Brothers is that they just wreck an unspeakable amount of cars. It must have cost them so much money. Yeah. And yet the whole point of the film is that it's a laugh. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I like that. You ever seen Ted 2? No. Are you in that? No. But it's a really funny film that it must have cost 100 million. Is that a talking bear? Yeah, it's a talking bear. Yeah, I'm not seeing that. People hated it. It's really, really? funny. But I think you'd, you'd respect the amount of work that's gone in. Like, there's like a throwaway one-line joke that's filmed underwater with a... I'm like, that must have cost 10 million, that joke. Yeah, yeah. I respect that. Yeah, I mean, there's a level of respect for that, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Finn Taylor, you've been wonderful. However, you were 31 years old. Uh, summer, as summer turned to autumn, and you went for a walk just to take in the new, new colours of the day, but your surprisingly weak and thin skin... Yeah. Uh, was struck by a falling leaf, uh, a, a sycamore leaf, and it and it sliced out. It was spinning, and it actually what happened was sliced open oh, your jugular. I like that. That's a, yeah. yeah. It was that's, coming that's, in like a helicopter. That's an opening to a film, that. Yeah, sliced open your jugular, and you were like, what? And you, ah, but as you went to speak, your blood came out, ah, out, out, out yeah. ah, 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 and you started falling to the ground, and you were trying to call out, but the blood was so choking you and you just fell on the ground and leaves were then piling on top of you so no one even noticed and i'm walking around now it's autumn i'm kicking leaves no one knows because you were covered by leaves at this point. right okay and uh i'm walking around with a coffin you know i'm like i'm kicking leaves it's autumn i'm like this is lovely and i kick and and my foot hits something quite uh weak is what it hits but it's it's solid and it cracks and i'm like what is that and i Look under the leaves, and it's you, dead, neck open, squirrels have eaten your insides. <laughs> there's rot, there's maggots coming out of your, where your eyes were. You're a fucking state. Anyway, I do what I can, chop you up, get you in the coffin, but you congealed with bits of the earth and leaves. It's a lot more of you than mm. I expected. God. Put you in the coffin, it's absolutely jammed. I'm having to stuff it in with sticks rammed in there there's only enough room in this coffin for you to take one dvd that i could slide in the side for you to take across to the other side and on the other side it's movie night every night and one night it's your movie night what film are you taking to show the inhabitants of heaven when it's your movie night finn taylor god that was a lot yeah Uh, yeah do you know what i'm gonna say my wedding video are you (laughs) no no i'll take it back that's gross um the rock (laughs) i love it i love it i'll take the rock no, you're taking your wedding video. But the thing is, you're having to do a and a and like a commentary for your wedding video. I'd like to see it. I mean, it's quite nice. It's five minutes, though. No one else has taken your wedding video. Good. That would be weird. Yeah, no, I think it's a good, it's a good choice. Yeah, I'll say that. Okay. Finn, you've been wonderful. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for or to watch out for or to listen to? I just released a full hour of stand-up a special for free on YouTube. <laughs> Go to YouTube, Finn Taylor, you'll find it. It's called So My Wife. Uh, it's my last tour show that I filmed and put on YouTube for free so that people could watch it and they could share it easily. 
So that's very exciting. It's really Where'd exciting. Where did you film it? Leicester Square Theatre. Oh, Looks cool. great. Really happy with it. How many shows did you film? Just one. We had one take, and it was one great. One and done. One and done. And also, they should do that and then subscribe to my YouTube channel because I have just finished filming sort of, I guess, a video podcast or maybe a web series, you'd call it. But it's like sort of like between two ferns, but for people who are big on social media. So that's coming out in the next, I don't know, month or two. But check out my YouTube, basically. That's what you should do. I want to see it. Finn Taylor, God bless you. Have a wonderful death. Good day to you, sir. Good day. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. So that was episode 192. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 15 minutes of chat, secret and video with Finn. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. Lovely thing to read. My neighbour Maureen loves it. Thank you so much to Finn for doing the show. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Layden for the photography. Come and join me next week for another excellent guest. Thank you all very much for listening. That is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.